0: In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: Welcome to Crimeland. My name is Julie Jay, and this week I'm joined by the truly hilarious... Katie Boyle? <laughs> Yay, to talk about the disappearance of Mary Boyle. link to a guest so for this one I thought disappearance of Mary Boyle I have to get Katie Boyle on board for this one no relation we might just say from the outset just to make it clear
2: she's my aunt no, she's not. No.
1: Have, have you heard of this one, Katie, the the Mary Boyle case? I'm sure you no. have.
2: No, no, I haven't. I have you not?
1: Well, it was way before your time. I mean, I shouldn't say I'm sure. I'm sure you have because were you born? I'm guessing from your email, you were born in 1990.
2: I was. How did you get that from my email?
1: I think, does it not have, is it not like, is there not a 1990 floating around somewhere? Or maybe in one of your socials?
2: Oh, there is my Venmo. You're right. It's in my bio. Oh, Jesus. I need to get rid of that. Uh,
1: sources for this one just to go through the sources so the BBC have a fantastic podcast called Nobody Recovered I used Wikipedia and also the Georgia Marie True Crime YouTube channel and I also used segments of a documentary so The Disappearance of Mary Boyle um which is available bits and bobs of it is available and are available on youtube but the whole thing isn't available currently it got taken down but we'll get to that and why it was taken down in a little bit so the disappearance of mary boyle so this is the longest running missing child case in Ireland. So Mary Boyle was born on the 14th of June 1970 in Birmingham to Irish parents. She had an older brother Patrick and identical twin sister Anne. When the girls were two, the family moved back to Kincaster in County Donegal when Charlie, their dad, missed Ireland and wanted to return home. So on the 18th of March 1977, Mary Her brother Patrick, her sister Anne and her parents, Anne and Charlie, travelled to her grandparents' house in Cachelard near Ballyshannon for Patrick's day. Her grandparents lived on a farm and the children were all playing outside that afternoon. The adults were inside and Mary and her siblings along with her cousins were playing outside. At one point, Mary runs into the house and this is truly heartbreaking – so this is really, really sad, Katie. So she hugs her mother, saying, "Mammy, I forgot to kiss you this morning." And these would be the last words Mary would ever speak to her mother, Anne.
2: Oh, that's awful! Isn't
1: that so sad? I just there's something about that now that just absolutely broke my heart. Just really, really sad. Um, so Jenny Gall, I presume you pinched Johnny Gall, Katie, at some point.
2: Yes, yes. No, this I I write about this in the missing book actually when I was younger.
1: So you are familiar with this?
2: Oh, only like you'd have to still keep going with it and remind me and stuff.
1: I won't stop and say, Katie, you take it from here. Okay, <laughs> so uh, Mary... <laughs> now, Katie, over to you. Okay, so Mary's Uncle Cherry, and again, this is probably a ding-ding moment now for you as well. So she he was outside doing reparation works on the roof. He'd borrowed a ladder to do this work from a neighbour who lived about like zero to 0.2 to 0.5 miles away so about a half a mile away and this was a very close neighbour in rural Irish terms because of course like this is 1970 the landscape isn't as populated you know as as uh, as as it would be now in terms of holiday homes etc so this was their closest neighbour It was about a half a mile away and around 3.45 Jerry walks back to the neighbour's house and Mary decides to follow Jerry. So Jerry's going back with the ladder to drop it back to the neighbours and little Mary decides to follow her uncle Jerry. About halfway there, she decides to turn back when they reach a large puddle. It was only about five minutes back to her grandparents' cottage. So Jerry thought nothing of letting her toddle back on her own. She was eating a packet of crisps. But tragically, Mary would never be seen again. So this was the last sighting of Mary when he said, "Okay, listen, you can head away home there. So and they say goodbye to one another and she goes back and it's only about five minutes back to the house. So across the fields, he thinks nothing of it. Jerry spends about 30 minutes at the neighbor's house chatting and then returns home at about 4.30 and continues working on the house. Anne at this point, so Anne being of course Mary's mother, she notices that Mary is nowhere to be seen. So she sees that all the kids are playing outside, but she can't see Mary, and straight away she's worried because this is not an area that Mary would know well. It's very boggy. There's a lot of lake land, a lot of water. It's it's you know it's dangerous enough terrain for a child to go missing on their own. So she's straight away worried about this when she can't see Mary, and. PJ Coughlin was a man who will become important later on. So he was fishing at the time on the lake and he hears the shouts of Mary Mary and soon sees Anne Boyle, Frantic looking for her child. Jerry approaches these men. So, PJ Coffin was out fishing with a buddy of his, and Jerry approaches these men asking if they'd seen the little girl anywhere, and the answer is no. By now, it's starting to get time, get dark, of course, because it's March, it's Donegal, it's heading into the evening time. And PJ approaches Anne, Mary's mother, and offers her offers to drive her to Bally Shannon to report her missing to the guards. So at this stage, there's very little daylight left. So time, of course, is of the essence. Because Mary's grandparents didn't have a landline and neither did the neighbours, it was really important that they got into town to inform the guards of what had happened as soon as possible. So the investigation doesn't get underway until after 6 but in defence of the local guards, they did take it serious from the get go. So the, of course, Anne lands into the police station, informs them what has happened, and straight away they're like, "Okay, we need to find this child." So there was actually a drama festival happening in Ballyshannon that day, so they managed to garner up a lot of extra volunteers and started started looking for Mary. The local army had been informed and assisted in the search. So family police, the army and neighbours immediately start this huge scouring of the area. At this stage, everyone still believes Mary had gotten lost. But despite searching through the night, there is no trace of Mary. It was as if she had vanished into thin air.
2: No, well, I used to. I grew up in the suburbs of a city, but my dad was living in Langford. So, like, we would go down on the bog and stuff. But this is the thing like, you wouldn't even, like, we would go, like, messing about in the hay bales and running around the farm, like, because they would, you would, you'd think they'd be grand. But actually, yeah, you could, anything could easily happen, I guess. But,
1: well, and it is, it's that thing of now that I suppose people, when I say they're more informed, but I guess crime is more ubiquitous now. Like, it's not something that I think in 1970, if you let a child walk home and the home is only five minutes away, you're not really considering in this landscape that something really bad is going to happen this child.
2: Yeah, because they wouldn't have even known about it. And if you know everybody, that wouldn't even come into your head. Whereas now, we're so bombarded with all these horror stories. You're nearly like keeping your child locked inside.
1: Yeah, it's just, it is, it's such a cliche to say it's a different world now, but it is. I mean, you know, in 1970 Donegal, this is something that, I mean, I would obviously still shock any community. But a child vanishing in these circumstances, in what seems like a split second, It's it's just it's something that I mean, it's going to shock any community, but I can only imagine for this particular community, particular community at this time, just how alien this would be. This child just disappearing without a trace.
2: Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense, like really that it would be. Well, I guess you'll tell the rest of the story, but in my head, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, like for someone just to. You know, kind of grab her, but when everybody lives in that area, when everybody (sighs) knows each other,
1: well, it is. It's 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 there are a few theories as to what happened to her, but so I'll just sketch those in in one minute. But Mm. as you say, it's like you know the thing of somebody grabbing a child in an area where most people know each other. It's it's a strange one. So basically, she's vanished. This is day one. She has disappeared there is no trace trace of poor mary helicopters join in the hunt by the morning Um, but by the morning it has become clear that something very bad has happened to Mary and this of course it goes out saying has become national news. So it's gone from being a local story to huge news. It's caused a media storm at the time because again this is something that would have been alien to most communities in Ireland in 1970. So by the end of the week the guards had brought in divers to search this lake which was behind her grandparents' home but they found nothing and later on in the best the whole lake was drained. The underground caves were excavated and still there was no sign of Mary's. So they did a really thorough search of the lake and they also brought in diggers to dig up the land surrounding the house. But again, nothing was found. So the whole case had the country in complete bewilderment. It was as if Mary had just vanished. So really, really bizarre circumstances after a couple of weeks the guards were desperate for clues so desperate that guards created a reconstruction of mary's disappearance using anne's twin sister so halfway to the neighbor's house the guard pretended so basically what they did katie was they got this guard to walk with anne to the neighbor's house and they said to her so they were you know they pretended halfway there um that the guard pretended he'd forgotten something and he asked Anne to go back to the cottage for him. And the guards then watched Anne where and where she went, hoping that this might give them a lead. So I guess their thinking was because they were identical and so close, they'd finish each other's sentences. They communicated using their own language, that it might point them to what, like what Mary might have done, where she might have gone. Um, But of course, Anne just went straight home and they were none the wiser as to what happened to Mary. So I guess you could say that the guards were getting desperate now because they just had nothing to go on.
2: That was a great idea, though, in fairness. I think so? Yeah, I think so, because a little girl will walk differently through a field than a man. So kind of seeing how she... Oh, very
1: true. Yeah, yeah. I
2: thought, you know, and like, I guess, and wait, so they walked that whole field. There was no... Or where they walked through, there was nowhere she could have sunk into something. They'd had, they had checked that.
1: Well, this is the thing. It's like they did, they did check the ground. And one of the theories that did abound at the time was that maybe she would have sunk into the bog. So, just for our international listener, and you're like, what's the bog? So the mm-hmm. bog is this like, it's essentially like quicksand in a way, isn't it, Katie? Like, it's deceptive. It looks like solid terrain, and you stand on it, and next thing you know, you're sinking down. Into this earth, so it is. It's quite. It's quite a dangerous, unpredictable terrain. It is similar to quicksand, and we all know if you get stuck in a bog, you are stuck in a bog. Like it's very hard to get out of it. Yeah. Um. So that was one theory that did kind of go around at the time. But again, they looked at the areas surrounding the house and there was no trace of Mary whatsoever.
2: Well I'll tell you this if if there really was a bog that she could slip into there's no fucking way the uncle would have let her walk back through that because the uncle sorry he he grew he was from that area right? Yes
1: yes that's a really there's good no, point. There's no yeah. way because
2: my dad would have never let and he always warned us about falling into the bog like people know that that's not like they'd be warning that before they'd be like oh a guy will come up in a white van at those times because that wasn't <sighs> like that's something there's no way he would have let a little girl walk through an area where there's a where she could slip and fall into the that's that's what would have had my kind of um
1: that's a really good
2: test stuff you know no way i'm connor reed with words to that effect how do the victorians
0: invent time where do all those pirate cliches come from should we all read romance novels?
2: glided up her neck with Why
0: are kids so obsessed with dinosaurs? What makes the perfect detective we just story? Have to go and solve this crime. Ourselves. What happens to culture and society in a post-apocalyptic world where everything her mouth to say something, but all the has stopped. Words to that effect tell stories of the fiction that shapes popular culture. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts, and at WTTEpodcast.com.
1: Yeah, I think I think most people would have dismissed that theory about the bug, um, but like that's that's a brilliant point as well. Like, why would the uncle let her walk home if that was the case? If that could have happened, so. Anne and Charlie, poor old Anne and Charlie, like their child is missing. There are no clues as to what has happened to their little girl. She has been, like basically she's disappeared five minutes from where they they were standing and gathered as a family. So they stayed in Cachelard where the grandparents live looking for Mary. But after six weeks, Mary's parents decided to head home. Well, they had to head home back to King Castler in Donegal, which of course was another townland in that county. And they continued in the hope that the guards would continue the investigation. So Mary's twin sister, Anne, was particularly affected, of course, by Mary's disappearance, given that it was her twin sister. So she actually went through really difficult adolescence. She was quite a rebel during her teen years. And when she was 17, she got pregnant. So obviously this was like 1987 and Tony Gall. This was something that was kind of, I mean, I suppose frowned upon by society at the time. Like we all remember how single mothers were treated back, you know, back then. So it would have been a really difficult time for her.
2: Jesus, yeah.
1: I mean, just not easy as a 17 year old. So 10 years after your twin sister goes missing, you know, you have a baby and it's not in the most welcoming of societies because obviously it was just such a it was such a conservative society at the time um you know it it was definitely not an easy time for it all so also sadly Charlie Mary's dad he died in a fishing accident in 2005 off the coast of Donegal so the family have had their fair share of challenges and tragedies I know, note to self, don't move to Donegal. So, even though we love Donegal, before Donegal switches off, we love Donegal. Um, But so, even after, you know, I mean, I suppose they're they're just a family who've had a really, really hard time of it. Like, you know, years after Mary's disappearance, these awful things are still happening to them. And then, Anne, Mary's sister and her mother, this is really sad. So, they don't speak. So they've had a huge falling out and oh, very open about this. So they, they've had a massive falling out over the handling of Mary's case. and Junior believes strongly that her sister has been killed by somebody known to her. Her mother disagrees with Anne and disagrees of her way of going about finding out more information. So Anne Junior has long claimed that her sister was being abused and had been killed by her abuser, so as to keep the abuse secret. This is her theory. This person was apparently the chief suspect during the original investigation, but had been released after questioning. So the day after he was brought into quest for questioning in Bally Shannon, he was released, and this chief suspect. Anne Jr. believes is the person who killed her sister. Who's the chief suspect? So, well, this is the thing, is that they haven't named the chief suspect, but I think especially if you're from the area, um, like there are a couple of kind of hints as to who the, the chief suspect could be. So it might be common knowledge in the local area. He has never been named, but Anne claims that this man was somebody that was known to Mary and had been abusing her over a period and that this person killed Mary to essentially keep the abuse secret. This is Anne's theory. Because it certainly, what I would say is, it limits the amount of people it could be. So this is, you know, an area where, okay, there are neighbours, the immediate family is there, some other family members are there. There's not a lot of suspects, but it would certainly limit who this person could be because there aren't a lot of people in this vicinity. So mm. if Anne claims that this is somebody that Mary knew, there are, you know, you could probably you could probably kind of, I suppose, whittle it down to who that person was based on that information for sure. Um now, I mean, that chief suspect, he's never been charged with anything, but that's who Anne believes killed her sister. And the guards did question him, but ultimately like they, they didn't actually bring charges against him. So in 2016, Anne took part in a documentary, Mary Boyle, the Untold Story, made by none other than Gemma O'Doherty bloody Gem Gem so Gemma O'Doherty now for our international listener Gemma O'Doherty is um somebody who is quite notorious uh in Ireland the last couple of years so she's big into uh, COVID-19 being a massive political conspiracy oh god that girl
2: yeah I was wondering who you were talking about oh and it sounded familiar I was like it couldn't be the conspiracy girl okay
1: it is the conspiracy girl so she likes to hang out on flyovers um with like massive posters and she likes to protest um uh, outside the four courts and you know she's she's an anti-masker Need I say more? I think yeah. you. I think you can. I think you can gauge the temperature of Gemma when I say she's a massive anti-masker. So she it was. It is. I suppose you could use present tense. A journalist in inverted commas. So she was the person behind this documentary. And she worked with Anne and the video. So this Mary Boyle, the Untold Story was thrown up on YouTube. It racked up a million views before it was removed. And the video central tenet was that the investigation into Mary's disappearance had been hindered by political interference and featured two senior guards who had worked on the case saying that the reason they couldn't pursue this line of investigation that they wanted to pursue was basically because politicians had interfered.
2: Wait, so they said, sorry, so they said this in the documentary, the guards said this?
1: Yes, so the two guards, who would, so two senior guards who'd worked on the case. Now, they later said that no political interference had taken place and that their comments had been edited and taken out of context. So afterwards, they were like, no, 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 no. That was completely manipulated by the filmmakers. The filmmakers were very much standing by what the guards supposedly told them. So it was definitely a case of afterwards a lot of backtracking. Um, So the the politician hadn't been named, but it was kind of common knowledge in Donegal who they were inferring when they talked about a politician who supposedly made a call and asked for the guards not to pursue a line of inquiry resulting in this chief suspect being released.
2: And I wonder, would it be that A, he knew him and he was friendly with him or B, having um, a murder case like or a sexual abuse case in your town, it just looks so bad that maybe that was the simple reason. it It
1: could be that. I mean, like, you know, you could say like, obviously, the extreme would be, was that person involved? Is that why they made the call? You could say um, they knew the person, they had a personal relationship with the chief suspect. I never thought about that. Like, Katie, you're right. Like, maybe it's an optics thing that they don't want this kind of, you know, in the local, you know, in their, I suppose, the area they're representing. They don't want this story coming out. because It's It's, it's hard to to justify, well, not justify, but it's hard to rationalise it.
2: Well, yeah, because especially with like Irish, you know, it's very much like a... We, you know, you care what people think and on the outside and the community and the way the town looks like. I so, don't know, that was just a thought that came into my head. Like
1: It could be. Well, it's, it's definitely, it's hard to know what, I mean, obviously, look, a politician, anytime they pick up the phone, it's ultimately to their if they're ultimately thinking about themselves they're thinking okay I need this person's support or you know this is going to damage me or this is going to damage the community there's some I mean they're usually motivated by a selfish reason so you'd wonder what that reason would be but this politician wasn't named in the documentary but strangely this Fianna Fáil member Seamus McKenneth he came out and he sued the filmmaker in 2016 for defamation for uh, for 75,000 euro. So he has since died, but his estate is still pursuing damages for what they see as a defamatory documentary. But it's really strange because by coming forward, he basically implicated himself. He identified himself by saying, oh, just so you know, I'm going to sue you now for defamation. But he wasn't named
2: yeah, but maybe he knew that people would know that he was the politician in the yeah. area. Yeah, I
1: Trying. think, I think, I think ultimately, even though he wasn't named, it probably, I, you know, I, I, I would imagine you could easily infer like if they're talking about a local FENAFOL politician. I mean, how many would there be? Like you, you know, it was probably fairly obvious who they were talking about. But he has since died. Um, but a judge has ruled that his estate can still pursue these filmmakers for defamation. So that case actually is still ongoing and hasn't been resolved yet.
2: Yeah, it's a weird one because you think like if if he didn't really have, like, you would think for him it'd be better just to be like, oh, well, I didn't say that and kind of just not draw more attention to it. It seems like yeah. making a... If- Suing case draws more attention to it.
1: It's, I mean, you wonder, I just don't know like how smart a move that was. Obviously, he sought legal advice, I'm sure. But you'd wonder, yeah, you, you definitely would. And so Anne insists that the suspect, the, the, this suspect who was released following this call from a local politician, she believes that this was the man who'd been abusing her sister and was the man who killed her. Anne's famous cousins, the O'Donnells, as in Margot and Daniel, Katie. I have
2: no idea who they people
1: are. I'm have, like one of your Daniel listeners. O'Donnell! Don't come singer, on. The singer, you, the country singer. The singer and, yeah. her, and his sister Margot. They've also helped keep Mary's case in the public arena. So, Margot even released a single, The Missing Mary Boyle, which paid for a private gig supervised by a guard and based upon a prediction of a Danish psychic. However, the dig yielded absolutely nothing. So, note mm-hmm. to self, it's like, you know, you're going to clutch. I mean, don't listen to Danish psychic, but I, you know, I say that. Not meaning to be flippant because I'm sure you're just clutching at straws. You know, you want to believe anything. But, you know, this Danish psychic was very wrong. So they yielded to absolutely nothing. And then Anne Jr. So this is interesting. She wants an inquest into Mary's death. But her mother insists she cannot pursue an inquest because to do so would be to admit that Mary is dead. As her mother is the next of kin, she gets final say on the matter. So in Ireland, you can only request an inquest if you're next of kin. So in this instance, it's the it's her mother and the mother does not want an inquest. So an inquest has not happened yet.
2: What's an inquest? A reinvestigation? So an inquest
1: oh yeah, it's a reinvestigation. Yeah. Um that's exactly what it is. So it would be I suppose re-examining the whole thing, like looking at it afresh would probably, you know, I mean, it would be, it would be essentially, I guess, kind of cold case work.
2: Yeah, look, maybe the mother just doesn't want to fucking find out that someone she knew was abusing her child. Because then that's a whole fucking other...
1: It could it could thing definitely after. be. And like, especially because Anne does have that theory, Anne Junior, you can see that like maybe the mother, there's an element maybe she doesn't want to know. But she does, you know, having, you know, she doesn't really engage with the media. Um, but I think her hope would be as well that maybe Anne was ta- or Mary was taken by somebody who wanted their own child and she's clinging to that hope yeah. and she has said, so the mother has said that she believes that Mary made it to the main road and what she's hoping is is that somebody passed her and decided to take her and they just wanted a child for themselves. So that's what she has said previously, what she believes. Yeah, and that's
2: not it. Sorry. Sorry yeah, well, I mean, mom.
1: You see, this is the thing, I guess, you know, you're going to, you're going to hope, you know, you're going to hope even when all evidence points to the contrary, you're going to hope that the worst didn't happen, your daughter. Oh, so I guess you yeah, know, she is going
2: to. I'd be thinking she well, went to the fairyland or something. I'd be like making up all sorts of shit. Oh,
1: yeah. It's, it's just, I guess it's, it's you, you know, you're going to cling to the hope. Like I'm sure on some level she probably does. Presume that something else didn't happen. Her
2: was the road um, which, far because she could have been taken by a uh, like someone like some guy driving by. Oh, with...
1: that's a really good question. I don't know actually how far away the road was, but I I will actually I'll get to traffic in a minute because actually cars play a big part in this. Okay. Great. So I don't I mean I don't think the road was that far. But that's a really good question actually. Um. So in 2016, Anne Junior. She actually pursued legal action. She launched legal action against Ireland, claiming Article 2 of the European Convention of Human Rights has been breached. That is, the right to process proper investigation, given that it had, at that point, this is 2016, been over 40 years and no progress had been made in the investigation into her sister's disappearance. However, the coroner has said in reply that the inquest would have an adverse effect on Anne's mother, who ultimately is the only one who can give the go-ahead on an inquest. So you really feel for Anne Jr. here because she's just trying everything and she is ultimately blocked by the fact that her mother does not want this inquest to happen and she gets final say on this.
2: This is awful. This is very... And it's like torn the family apart as well. Oh, like the yeah. the
1: year. fact And like the fact that they don't speak and like obviously then, you know, there is the brother Patrick as well, but like their dad is dead. Like it's just terrible. So what happened to Mary? Well, there are a few theories. So Anne Senior has said that she believes, as I said, that Mary made it to the main road and hopes that Mary was taken in by someone who really wanted their own child. I mean of course we understand why she's hoping for that but it's probably unlikely you know it it is probably one of the more unlikely theories it's also possible that mary sank into the ground given that the bog is you know very similar to quicksand but the fact that her body has never been found would suggest that you know maybe her stepping into the wrong place and getting swallowed up by the earth is unlikely as well Some people have also floated the idea that perhaps she made it to the road and that she was hurt. So maybe somebody knocked her down and they panicked and they disposed of her body. But at the same time, you would hope, you know, if it was an accidental hit and run that at this stage, I mean, we're talking how many years later, 50 years later, that somebody might say, look, I made a mistake. I panicked. I mean, I think if that was the case, somebody's conscience would probably get to them. What do you think?
2: Um, I don't know maybe not especially when it's maybe the, not. a big deal of, and then every your name is going to be in the newspaper it's this huge case but come here to me I must apologise for the uncle because I think actually now sorry when you're saying all this I just thought he wouldn't have had time to dispose of the body and them not to find the body and be at the neighbour's house
1: well so. to, actually that is a brilliant point that is really really a brilliant point and there is something maybe that points to another suspect um, which I'll just get to now so the, the most likely thing no Oh, and you know what actually that now that you say it the timeline wouldn't add up there
2: yeah no way because they would have if they searched it that much you wouldn't have been able to have the time to hide the body that well I think they would have found it and, I think the and road because, is a good to get into well, the road and,
1: yeah and, and because as well in terms of the uncle like he was like the neighbours verified that he was in the house for 30 minutes oh so, yeah, so like it's yeah, yeah so he, w- he would he would he would have been there so actually even with that the timeline wouldn't add up so the most likely thing was that, of course, that she was abducted. Because this was a rural area, it's unlikely that this was a pre-planned abduction, given the small chances of happening upon a child in this the country. So it was probably, which I think makes it even more heartbreaking, it was probably just... It was probably just a bit of a fluke. It just sounds like it was not planned that this just happened. But I think most people believe the child was abducted. So years after the fact, PJ Coughlin, who was the guy, do you remember, fishing on the lake with his mate? Yes. He said... That he had seen, now to me, this is like huge, that he had seen a red Volkswagen Beetle speeding away from the area. He later learned that the guards had never actually followed up on this lead. So in the BBC podcast, Nobody Recovered, he said that he knows in his heart Mary was in there. So it's actually a really powerful mm. um interview with him that he says he just knows The car, he took note of it because he was actually fishing illegally. So he was really watching out for vans, cars, people, because they weren't supposed to be on the lake fishing. So he could have gotten into big trouble and been landed with big, huge fines. So he was on the lookout. So when you were asking me now about the road, I think for me, PJ Kaplan is key because he definitely would have seen a car because he was on the lookout for cars. He wasn't just like casually fishing. He was on high alert because if he was caught, he was in big trouble. Um, So he said that when he saw this car speeding along and then he heard... This little girl going missing. He just got a really bad feeling and he just feels that Mary was in that car. So another suspect who comes up again and again is this guy called Robert Black. I don't know if you've heard of Robert Black. So Robert Black was one of the UK's most notorious serial killers. He was responsible for the rape and murder of four girls between the ages of this is just really horrible, five and ten.
2: Jesus
1: he worked as a delivery driver delivering posters which often took him to Northern Ireland he also has links to King Castler where Mary lived with her family Cashelard was only a few miles from the Northern Irish border and it has been proven that Black was indeed in Northern Ireland the day that Mary disappeared it has also been proven that he often visited Donegal and on the day she went missing he was said to have been in Anagrai which is in Donegal but it's actually in the north of the county so it's about an hour and a half away from Cashelard now he was supposedly seen in the pub car park but this hasn't been confirmed by many people but somebody did say that they felt they saw a man matching Robert's description in a car park in Anna Gry, which would have been the north of the county uh, and that he was beside his white van and this witness supposedly said that they heard crying coming from the van but that they just presumed this was an animal oh, now yeah. That's it, then. it's Well, you see, you would think that. But the thing is, is that my only issue with that would be, I mean, you would say, okay, the fact that he was in Northern Ireland, I like to think there are very few people who see a little girl and decide to abduct her. But the flip side is, is that he drove a white van and PJ did not see a white van in the area that day. So that's the only thing that makes me a little bit, I don't know, is is it a bit dubious then?
2: Yeah, but like... Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I just think that that's probably it, right? Because he could have been just driving down and then saw her and then took her. And I know PJ didn't see a white van, but I, maybe he didn't see it coming or something. I don't know. But he it said is, he was well, alert.
1: I, you, well, you would think You would think that it is definitely a line of inquiry, like for sure. Because, I mean, obviously this guy was a monster. Um, You know, this was his modus operandi as well, abducting little girls. And, you know, this pub car park in Anna apparently this person said that they did hear crying coming from the van now as well I suppose you have to kind of take into account that afterwards then when you hear stories sometimes people can kind of you know memories a funny thing you can think back and think oh maybe I did hear crying but this person did say that that's what they heard and they presumed it was an animal like I mean it's utterly terrifying to think that that could have been the case but the fact that he was in the north that, that day it does definitely make him a very real suspect I would feel
2: yeah me too no 100% I think I think you know I mean I I, I kind of can't I can't I think it's too coincidental
1: Yes I know what you mean yeah it it was it it is a huge coincidence that he was roughly in the area that day you know he was in the north he could have easily gone to Donegal he often went to Donegal it's definitely, it's definitely, as you say, it's it's a big coincidence. So Robert Black died in prison in 2016. He was, It's not known was he ever questioned about Mary's disappearance. And as I said, you know, it is worth noting that PJ Coughlin and his friend hadn't actually seen the white van. In saying that, maybe they would have missed it. And since the whole Sean McKenneth scandal, it would seem that Irish councillors and politicians have distanced themselves from the case, perhaps for fear that they would be accused of interference. Today, Mary's grandparents' house is abandoned and the house is derelict. The case is still an open investigation and the guards are still actively looking to pursue new lines of inquiry. Anne Senior still holds hope that her daughter is alive. But either way, we just hope she gets some answers before she passes. And that is the story of the disappearance of Mary Boyle.
2: Well, it's a very sad story.
1: <laughs> it is a very sad. They're all sad stories. Sure. I have to laugh because anytime Fred does the podcaster at me, he's like, I just feel a bit down after that. I'm <laughs> like, of course you do. They're all sad stories, but it is very sad. And like, look, we hope that the mother might get closure and Anne and Patrick and all of them that they get closure yeah. at some stage. it's But it is an enduring mystery.
2: Yeah, I don't think, like, I'm like, what do I know? But I don't think she was abused. Because right? I don't think the uncle would have had the time to come back. I don't, the dad, they were watching the dad, the neighbours have an excuse. You know, the guys on the boat also, they would have, what, dumped the body in the lake. Like, so it's either the red beetle or it's the white fan. And if it's the red beetle, I also think if she was knocked over, they would have seen blood on the road. So... Oh, be.
1: Katie, you are on fire today. Thanks.
2: Yeah, I should have been a little detective. I watch all these shows, crime shows, but um, a, like murder dramas. But like if, yeah, 100%, they would have seen that, you know? So, and like they would have been looking out for stuff like that. So I'd say what happened was she like was lost and then either the Beetle picked her up or the white creepy van. And if the Beetle picked her up, it could have been, but it's just so, I think it's too coincidental that there's two fucking child murderers i think yes i agree
1: and he could have been
2: driving the other way you know
1: Uh, yeah and i do think because that was always my theory and i'm looking at the vanishing triangle actually next week which would be a good one um but with that as well for our international listeners the whole thing of the vanishing triangle is supposedly there is an area in ireland in the 80s and 90s and there was a serial killer roaming this area that was murdering women and I mean, my thinking is I like to believe that most people are good. And I think very few people see somebody on the side of the road, whether it's a woman, a child, a man or a boy, and think I'm going to abduct that person and murder them. I like to think most people don't think that way.
2: Yeah, like I do think it's a bit of a like, I think it's more likely that this guy in the van was like, right because if he's looking for kids to murder and he's like, That's his, that yes. was his thing, that he'd be like, right, I'll drive down some rural roads and he could have been driving around for hours looking for someone. And like he he could have drove down Lomford and found me and my, you know, me walking the oh, roads.
1: Oh, no. No, but oh you know God. what I'm saying? It's actually but not. But it's so true. But, but yeah. it's not that
2: hard. If you're like a, um, like a, whatever, a child murderer and you want to take someone that there's no connection to you and he's already done it with other girls, there's no connection to him. Like they're not his, his, Cousins, friends, kids—like you just grab random girls. You could have drove down, like if he had been driving through Lamford, like sure we'd all be walking home from each other's house at that time. You know, in, in the nineties, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Not in the fucking seventies. So I mean, it it is more likely that he could have just drove around until he saw someone, some little girl walking mm-hmm. alone, and maybe he maybe he does that a couple of times. He was doing that a couple of times a week, and so I, I think it's more likely that it's him, and it was kind of a, a set plan that like, oh, if I find if I ever find someone. You know, because that's what they do. They drive around in the white van, and they're looking they're for them.
1: Opportunists, yeah, there are. They are opportunists, and you know, maybe you know P. J. Kaplan might have missed that van, and you know, ultimately, that's the only thing that's kind of making me think it wasn't Robert Black. But I guess he could have missed. You know, he could have missed the van. I mean, the Red the Red Beatles strange because they never got somebody to come forward I feel if you were innocent in that instance you would come forward and say listen yeah, I was driving right? through the area I drive a red Volkswagen Beetle it wasn't me but so I feel if you were innocent and you're driving through that area and it's a distinctive enough car you will come forward and say I'm not involved because then it just helps the guards because they're like okay well that's one area line of inquiry that we're not going to look at that was a person who is innocent here he's got nothing to do with this that's my only thinking on that red beetle. That if it wasn't involved, why don't we know about it?
2: Yeah, it is weird. You don't know. Like, yeah, maybe look. Maybe he knocked, he or she knocked her over, and there was no blood. Yeah. And then they were like, "Fuck! Let's like get rid of the body because they have like a whole life to live, and it was an accident." And. Or maybe there was someone who was driving through that area who had told their wife or husband they were doing something else. You know, you just don't. Well, that yeah,
1: that's true. I mean, I guess there are reasons why people can't come forward as well. But hopefully, look, they do get some new leads. The investigation is still open, obviously, because I'm saying if you've any information, please get in touch. Um, you know, with the guards because it is an open line of inquiry, etc uh and you know they're they're still hoping that they'll get some answers here katie Boyle. it's been an absolute pleasure i mean it goes it's in case anyone thought i was all business with katie the stars this podcast we had been chatting for an hour and a half i just want to i keep doing this with my guests i keep getting people to come on and i talk the ear off them for two hours and then we start i'm like and now we'll start the podcast they're like no please
2: yeah no no I had a great time and thanks for all the advice you gave me earlier so the chats were great and then and And
1: you gave me such technical advice I love us.
2: it was actually perfect because it's like advice about like uh boys and then you talk about someone going missing and you're like oh my problem's not so bad
1: I know just to put it in context Katie here's a disappeared child <laughs> um no but you know what I if anyone from um Dingle or from my past is listening to this and they hear that I'm giving relationship advice I'm sure they're having a good laugh <laughs> and you should no you're in a happy relationship with a child you're the perfect now yeah but, but that's exactly sake, I've been I've been shifting for what 24 years now and I finally found one yeah, but
2: it's great. Come on. It's, it's inspirational. It's like, oh, okay, so it'll still happen. You're this is great. I think of you I'm all inspo. the t- what?
1: I am an inspiration I am an inspiration. You are too many. You are so funny, Katie. You're a cast woman. If we want to find you, Katie, we're going to find you on Instagram. Uh,
2: yes, please. It's at Katie Boyle Comic on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and then my podcast is The Shift, which Julie's been on a few times. So go listen, and yeah, thank you.
1: I love the podcast, The Shift. It's great, so do check it out. And Katie's a breath of breath of fre- breath of fresh air. I'm Dutch. I'm Dutch. And yeah. um, Katie's a breath of fresh air because although she's kind of of Longford via Leaksup, she's now living in New York. So I do love your content because it's just it's it's a door to another world, Katie.
2: Okay, great. Yeah, no, thank you so much.
1: Love you so much, Katie. I love Thanks you. so much for coming on. Bye. Okay, Bye.
0: And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.